Hello there and welcome into the Sun Devil Source Report podcast. I'm your host, Rob Warner. Join alongside Sun Devil Source reporters, Kalen Jones. How are you today, KJ? Doing good, Rob. How have you been? Been doing well, been doing well. Jacob Janauer making his long-awaited return to the Sun Devil Source Report podcast. Jacob, how's it feel to be on the podcast today? Just happy to be here. Just happy to be here. We're happy to have you. Fabian Ardaya, our very own. How are you, Fabian? Glad you finished your econ homework, so I'm doing pretty good. I did finish my econ homework, and I'm... All ready to go with this podcast. We have our site publisher, Chris Cartman, as always. How are you, CK? You know, Rob, spring has sprung. March 20th. Today is the first day of spring. How does it feel? It feels great. Does it feel good to you? It feels nice, man. Out there, you know, feet on the grass, warm air, sun was nice. Didn't I hear you saying that you won't wear shorts, though, until the fall? No, until pro day. Until pro day. Yeah, it's like a quirk that I have. Well, there you go. Bring out the shorts on pro day. Okay, well, this episode is going to consist mostly of a a football depth chart uh, preview as we touch on, uh, we're also going to touch on the ASU men's basketball team going forward in the 2018-2019 season and what can be expected from that team next year. So guys, let's get into the depth chart right now. So the tempo offense on Friday evening at the practice, Kalen was there, uh, yourself, Chris, Chris Cartman was there, our very on-site publisher was there, um, and... The first team offense that was lining up in that tempo period was Manny Wilkins at quarterback, Eno Benjamin at running back, Nikhil Harry at receiver, John Humphrey at receiver, Kyle Williams at wide receiver, C.J. Frenchlove at tight end, Tommy Hudson at tight end, Tyson Rising at left tackle, Alex Lasoya at left guard, Cole Cabral at center, Stephen Miller at right guard, and Quinn Bailey at right tackle. Stephen Miller didn't participate today, this Tuesday morning, uh, and the redshirt junior uh, Cade Cody took Miller's spot at right guard today. So, guys, does this look exactly like you guys think it's going to be uh, come week one, come the beginning of the season, or what changes do you think we could see? I mean, it's pretty much set in stone aside from, you know, the addition of, I guess, Alex Osoya and Tyson Rising. Um, I think those guys will probably slide over when um, they bring in both the, the transfers that they, they've added this summer and Roy Hem- Hemsley from USC and then uh, Casey Tucker from Stanford. Uh, Tucker slotted the starting at left tackle. Uh, Hemsley, I'm pretty sure. Chris can correct me if not. I'm, I figure he'll slide somewhere at either right or left guard. Zach Robertson. Or, excuse me. Wow, yeah. I completely forgot about Zach Robertson, who we haven't seen it practice since. According to Herm began. Edwards, he's dealing with family Ish, yeah, or personal yeah. kind of issues, but he hasn't been out here for the first four practices. Therefore, it's kind of easy to you know keep him out, Conduct, not yeah. think about him and is in the mix. But I think the lineup will obviously in large part determine on whether he's out there or not. You have Quinn Bailey, Steve Miller, Nicole Cabral, Zach Robertson has a lot of experience, Casey Tucker, and then Roy Hemsley. And then I think Alex Osoy is probably their next guy. Yeah, I think like you guys mentioned, just having Tucker and Hemsley come in, that's a huge impact. And you don't really know how they're going to fit in uh, for sure until the fall, but Casey Tucker seems like the moment he came in and committed to Arizona State, it looks like he's at least penciled in to that left tackle spot. But at least Arizona State's they're trying to they're building a little bit of depth on the offensive line. They're trying to rotate a decent amount of names to that position and having maybe one of the silver linings to Robertson missing some time and not having Tucker and Hemsley here in the spring is that they can work some of those names in, like a Lasoya or a Rising. Look, uh, go ahead. And then outside of outside of the offensive line, not a whole lot of surprises. Of course, you know, Benjamin taking over at running back, uh, you know, for DeMario Richard and Kalen Bolage, And then 
wide receiver is another position. You know, that could change up with uh, Frank Darby, Terrell Chapman, Ryan Newsom, all guys that could get some chances, but not a whole lot of surprises outside the O-line. So, so my question is about rising in LaSoya. Chris, do you think either one of those players, if they really impress in the spring, can push for at least a competition with a guy like Tucker in the fall? So, look, um, interviewed Dave Christensen, ASU's new offensive line coach, just a few weeks ago. That's on the site. Uh, he he was an analyst. You can check it out on SunDevilSource.com, uh, along with uh, interviews with all of our assistant coaches that we that we got. Um, you know, essentially, he said Casey Tucker is going to be our left tackle. Like, just it wasn't even you know a possibility. I don't think in his mind that Casey Tucker wasn't going to be starting a left tackle. Um, and if the other four returners who have experience starting all are on the team and are out there, then you would sort of guess that those are going to be your, your starting five. Now, Zach Robertson has had instances throughout his career where he started spring ball or fall camp in the doghouse or there were questions about what was going on with him. And we're now going through this again with him. And so that to me means that his status is not you know, ironclad solid, that he's going to be out there with the ones. So I think that, you know, because of that, if you look at Quinn Bailey having started at right, at, at right tackle, right guard, Steve Miller um, has another guy who's played some tackle, Alex Lasoya is probably the, the most likely guy that would, be, that would be somewhere, you know. Are we going to go through the other offensive positions? Or? Um, I, we can if, you, if you'd like to. I, I kind of thought that, like, we, well, like you and Kalen actually uh, – said last week on the podcast, those three receivers were the three that you guys predicted would be the starting three. Nikhil Harry, John Humphrey, Kyle Williams, and then you know Benjamin um, as a starting running back, as you both said last week as well. Yeah, and, and to that point, I think Jacob actually touched on it a second ago. Like You, you look at a guy like Frank Darby right now, um, someone who's been rotating regularly. Him and John Humphrey have been a, a competition uh, for that starting Z position. So, obviously, you have Kyle Williams taking over at the slot position in, in place of uh, Jalen Harvey, um, who's been tra- working with the defense to this point. But I think the receiver battle is definitely something to watch. There's another dynamic here that I think is um, taking shape, and that is walk-on Trevor Russell has been taking the second-team reps in the slot uh, behind Kyle Williams instead of Ryan Humphrey. And he looked really good out of practice today. He He's had a had- number of, of impressive catches. I believe it was – I believe I saw five catches on the day from him. He's one of the better walk-ons, actually, on the roster. So, you know, it seems to be that they're at least giving him an opportunity there. I, we haven't been especially enamored with Ryan Newsom, something we've talked about a lot on the premium. Uh, don't mind Shane here. But then, but then you also have a few other guys that are competing for opportunities, right? Like Curtis Hodges seems like a role player, but – Maybe he, he, he made some nice catches, but, you know. Well. Maybe he's able to expand mm-hmm. and take on more of a role. And We've then a guy that it. a guy that's that obviously, um, you know, has been kind of easy to 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 overlook. Robert knows. Robert knows. Where am I going with this, Rob? Terrell Chapman. Yep. Terrell Chapman is. I think the guy's a stud. So he yeah. athletically, he he, you know, can do some things that other people can't do. And then Ryan Jenkins is someone that you shouldn't just leave out of the mix entirely. You talked to me today about a practice. You said this guy's just a solid receiver. He might not wow you with his athleticism or how dynamic he is, but he makes he, he seems to make every play and, and run a good solid route each time. He, similar yeah. to a Kyle Williams type in that regard. Yeah, he, I think he's like a dependable type of a guy. So, um, 
you know, so you have obviously Nikhil Harry and Kyle Williams. Jalen Hart moving to defense opens up your third spot. The third spot, as Kalen said, is, is it seems like it's between uh, Humphrey and Darby, and then who the backups are going to be at some of these other spots. That is, these battles are kind of ongoing. And I'm curious when you talk to Charlie Fisher, the new wide receivers coach, did you get any light? Kind of on what you on what he thought about the receivers and who he was impressed by so far. Well, that's a, that's a good question because he, unlike with Dave Christensen, who was an analyst for the team last year and was evaluating all these guys as the season was playing out, Charlie Fisher's brand new to this. And what he said was, "Yeah, I watched, went back and watched some of the games and everything, but I'm not going to really make up too much of an opinion until I actually see and work with these guys on the field." And that's why you're probably going to see more. Um, more guys given opportunities with the twos or maybe even bumped up with the ones. Like if Nikhil doesn't practice, he didn't practice again today uh, for the second day in a row. He went to the bubble with the, the, the guys who have been banged up. So um, uh, we're just going to have to see who emerges, and that's what we're going to be covering. And we're going to talk a little bit about the second team offense just to go through it. Blake Barnett was starting at quarterback, Trelon Smith and Mark Goose Cosgrove uh, was also splitting time at running back, both those two. Jeremy Smith at receiver, Ryan Newsom at receiver, Frank Darby was at wide receiver, Tommy Hudson was at, uh, was with the tight end at, on the second team offense, Mason Schnell was the left tackle, Cade Cody was the left guard, Marshall Nathy was the center, Corey Stevens was the right guard, and Kyle Breed was the right tackle. And this question's for all you guys. Do you guys think anybody in this group can push for, for time to even be on the field or, or potentially a starting job? I mean, look at Tommy Hudson at tight end. Um, he's someone who's actually been considered, I, I guess, like line leaders, if you're going to put preliminary ideas of who's considered a leader on camp, on the team. Tommy Hudson is one of those guys. And he's been seeing regular time rotating in and out with C.J. French love throughout the initial practices that I've seen. So he's someone that can emerge. Maybe also along the off the line, like you mentioned before, Rob, Kate Cody, um, he's obviously received some first-team reps with uh, Steve Miller going down recently, but um, Jeremy Smith possibly too. Um, a bunch of the receivers, but I'm sure you guys have other options as well. I think I, more so than a chance to push for the starting job, I'm really just on the second team. The storyline I'm most curious about is who the backup quarterback is going to wind up being in the fall because I know it's really easy to say Blake Barnett, he's a high – high recruit, he was the guy who was brought in and when he was first brought in was originally expected to compete with Manny Wilkins for the starting job, but uh, Dylan Sterling Cole, I think physically it just has the ability, I think if he puts together a strong spring and starts to put together, connect some of the mental dots that he have been missing for him, he's a guy who can move his way up and move ahead of Blake Barnett in the case that Manny Wilkins does get hurt or just going to 2019 when Wilkins is graduated. And he just looks like he's in great shape. I mean, after after practice today, Chris asked him how much – or what's your weight change from a year ago? And he said, did he say I gained 10 to 15 pounds? Yeah, 10 pounds, 10 pounds. and he's gained 30 pounds since his senior year of high school. I mean, he just looks like he's in really good shape. He, he seems to have been throwing a pretty good ball in practice recently as well. The, the challenges with Dylan Strain and Cole are not so much the physical tools. It's more about just the maturity – having an everyday approach and understanding the scheme at a really high level. If, if he starts doing those things, then everything else can fall into place for him because he's got, he's got really good tools. What, what do you guys – what's your initial guess of who the second team quarterback will be as of right now? I think the second team quarterback for this season will be Blake Barnett, but I think the starting quarterback come fall 2019 will be Dylan Sterling Cole. Can't say I disagree with that at all. I think 
they'll still try Barnett as the second teamer, but I think Sterling Cole can definitely give him a run for his money. I've actually come around just from – obviously it's early, but, um, you know, just looking at Blake Barnett, in terms of mechanics, he told us that he hasn't done anything different, Chris, but he, he definitely looks much more comfortable, much more fluid. Um, he looks like someone who is squarely as number two going in the next – or going into the 2018 season and then could possibly start in the 2019 year. I'm, I'm still curious. I, I don't really have an answer yet because I do agree with Fabian that it looks like the starting quarterback um, come week one in 2019 is going to be Dylan Sterling Cole. Um, but I don't know if Blake Barnett's going to hold on to the second team uh, QB the whole year. I just, I, I'm just i just a little bit curious whether uh, he's locked into practice every day and, and locked into his position the way that it seems like you have to be to hold a position like that, even if it's just a backup role. I think it's still a little bit too early to really render a verdict on this, even though I wanted to get a sense of what you guys think. I, I could see it going either way. Uh, I do think there's a, a, a talent gap, or at least a, a capability gap, from Wilkins down to the other options, and, and that's why ASU needs to really recruit effectively in 2019 class. A couple other things before we move on to the defense. Um, C.J. Frenchlove told us he's up from 230 pounds to 250 now. And he looks... He's been blocking very well. You, when you're using two tight end sets, which they expect to do this season with Herm Edwards bringing in more of a pro style, just having a guy like C.J. French Love, Tommy Hudson, maybe being a bit bulkier and more of a blocking option definitely should help play into that scheme. Yeah, I thought Tommy Hudson actually was a little bit too light last year also, and he looks like he's added some size. Uh, I, I'm not going to say that this group is really especially impressive in the spring and they're they have a new position coach donnie annis um so how that develops you know we'll see uh jared buback even pushed up and took some one reps today in practice he, did. he, looked, it, he looked all right in the, in the reps it looked like well i'm i thought he was a little bit kind of hit or miss and then mark walton's a redshirt freshman that i i think has some promise um not sure if it'll get it'll get there this year or not. You know, I think we'll have to see on that. I, you know, ultimately though, my guess is they'll still end up being primarily an eleven personnel offense, but they do or are they are going to want to be able to be versatile enough to play with two ten two tight ends on the field or four receivers or or whatever. And at least come week one, I couldn't really see a, a two ten uh, a two tight end formation not having French Love and Hudson at least starting out the year. That's the most overwhelmingly most likely scenario right right moving on to the defense the first team defense the base unit for uh the tempo defense period it was shannon foreman at defensive end Rennell wren at nose tackle jalen bates defensive end jj wilson at linebacker malik lawal at linebacker kaylin thomas at mike linebacker evan fields at the tillman position langston frederick at the ranger safety jalen harvey at the ranger safety kobe williams and chase lucas both at corner and what do you guys think what changes could we see um, in the starting lineup for this defense? Um, well, obviously, with the incorporation of a new defensive scheme, um, you look at the personnel. I think Jalen Bates' inclusion in the starting lineup is interesting um, and fascinating to watch moving forward just because last season um, I, I, he didn't really get too much game reps at all really last year, but to see him included with the first team just because of his physique and really his experience, I guess, in, in terms of you know maturity. Um, it's definitely interesting. And then, uh, J.J. Wilson and Malik Wall, as you mentioned, Rob, uh, two guys who uh, – J.J. Wilson's been leading, you know, his position group in, in terms of, you know, uh, Antonio Pierce having him 
as you know kind of the the example that he wants all the other linebackers to follow and this is someone who just started playing the position less than really a year ago in yeah, terms of looked, time. He's looked really so, good at that position. Exactly. And so between him and then maybe Malik Lawal is someone who can emerge within this this um, scheme too. Those are two. Those three guys are guys I'm keeping my eye on this spring. Yeah, just to touch on your Bates point, he's a guy who ever since he stepped on campus is a guy I found is really interesting. And Arizona State doesn't really have a whole lot of those guys that you can t- see as possible just – absolute game changers on their own on the defensive line, but Bates is one of those guys I like. Ronell Wren is one of those guys that I like. And I like the potential that a guy like Darius Slade could possibly have on that defensive line as well. And I think those are the types of guys that I'm looking to see how they sort of break through on the defensive line for the fact that Jalen Bates is getting time with the ones. That's really encouraging for him, especially coming off the injury history he's had. And to the to the to to your point about Bates, sorry, I'll just go quickly. Um, I, I told Chris today that I've been really impressed with him so far at practices just because, uh, at least in the one-on-one period today where it was the one defensive lineman against one offensive lineman, he was just absolutely manhandling whoever he was lining up against. There were there were several times they recorded sacks. Um, and, in one-on-ones you're talking in about. In one-on-ones I'm yeah. talking about. And he just looked like he was – he looked like his athleticism was just too much for any of the offensive linemen to handle. Well, so the thing with Jalen Bates is that um, – Early on in his in his time at ASU, before he had the knee injury, and then even after after he kind of recovered, he always sh- demonstrated that he was further along as a pass rusher than he was against the run because he's like uh, longer strider, more of an edge attack type of a guy, and he's in he's lighter this year, and so he's really mobile. I think that's helping his flexibility, but he's having to operate from a three point stance, and so I think we need to see how he does on more inside run periods and how he holds up physically at the point of attack, um, you know, uh, uh, to make before we make a determination. But what I would say, Rob, is that Danny Gonzalez, ASU's coordinator today, said that he felt like the defensive front was further along than the other position groups. And he specifically mentioned Bates in addition to Rennell Wren and George Lee. You know, and George Lee, I wasn't sure exactly how he was going to fit in with his defense because they tend, they've used lighter ends. Uh, and usually just one nose tackle. And, you know, George Lee's a 300-pound guy, you know. So, but that that was who he, uh, Gonzalez, said was, to him, the most impressive group so far. I'm really interested to see how another Jalen, Jalen Harvey, holds up, especially because, and he's still very new to this defense, and ASU tried it last year when they moved an offensive guy, J.J. Wilson, to the defense, and he had his good moments, and now he's really come along during spring practice. And, Harvey has really looked good at, at the Ranger safety position, and ASU does need a new safety with Chad Adams gone. So we'll see if kind of Harvey can kind of pass a test of time here. He's looked good at the start, but you know we'll see if if he's still really in the mix here by the time the end of spring comes and then fall comes around too. And I think with Jalen Harvey is that I think if they weren't sure he could really contribute at the spot, they wouldn't have moved him. So I feel like he is a guy that they really want to make sure he's a fit. And it seems like at least body type and his play style in the limited time he's had, it seems like it's a good fit from what Danny Gonzalez has outlined, what he wants from that position. It's just about him having that learning curve and learning it by the time the fall rolls around. And he's been really impressive. He had a few really nice plays. He had an interception today. In uh, Which which drill was it today that he had his interception? Was it was it the tempo? Uh, they were Yeah, they were in tempo period. They were in, okay. He was going against some wide receivers. 
And it, it, it was, was he tipped it up to himself and caught it. Oh yeah, it was a one. It was a one on ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so, I asked Danny Gonzalez today, sort of expecting that his answer was going to be what it was. Which player is sort of standing out as a good example for, of what you guys are trying to do defensively? And he said J.J. Wilson. Now, our audience, especially members on the site, will know that I was pretty critical of J.J. Wilson last year when he was an offensive player. The guy had a really rough start to the season. Let's just be really blunt about it. He was missing blocks, didn't know where he was supposed to be. You know, he had special teams errors. Right? He was a guy who had the spread punt formation thing against Texas Tech. But I'm telling you, he looks like a totally different human being this spring. He, he looked a lot better just being moved to defense last year, right? When, and, and, and remember, obviously, Todd Graham went through with just a slew of, of guys that he tried out on defense and just didn't work out with almost any of them. Well, finally, he has this one that really looks like it's going to work out, and then Todd Graham's on around to be able to – appreciate it just like the football building and all that but um but jj wilson <laughs> has looked like really good this spring like i'm gonna say i'm gonna say it like this i think that he's been the most impressive player yeah. in in spring ball through the first four practices and i didn't necessarily anticipate that just because you know what we've seen from him over the years but what it wasn't just gonzalez that said that about him but it was uh, I didn't speak directly with them, but the strength staff, uh, led by Connolly, said that he was the guy that impressed them the most in the winter conditioning program, as relayed to me by other other football program sources. So it seems like J.J. Wilson is the guy that's basically out there setting the tone. And remember, that's really important because you're going to get Karan Crump back. He's not practicing right now. So you get Karan Crump back. You, you have J.J. Wilson. You got two linebackers. Darius Slade is an is an end. Right. But he's not out there practicing it. And Gonzalez already said that your that your front is his front is the most impressive group. And there's two guys that are basically part of that that aren't even really out there yet. So that seems to be something that's shaping up pretty well for them. And uh, I want to mention I think that Marlon Robertson still has a good chance to get a one of the starting positions at uh, at inside linebacker. Um, Malik Lawal and Kalen Thomas were practicing at linebacker with the first team. Obviously, Merlin Robertson finishing up high school isn't going to be here until the fall. I think that's somebody to look out for. And then I was kind of curious. Um, we touched on this a little bit just now, but who do you guys think the, t- the the team starting defensive ends are going to be? Shannon Foreman, you know, and and Jalen Bates repped have been repping with the first team. Yeah. So you look at it'll probably be Darius Slade um, and Jalen Bates on the outside. And then Renell Wren at nose. Um, and then yeah, I mean Karan Crump is considered a linebacker in this mm-hmm. scheme. So. Yeah, a lot of it just depends on health, and it depends on who's going to be here in the fall and what kind of impressions they make. But I think Kalen was spot on there. I think that's just exactly how I see it with just Bates and Slade on the outside, Ryan on the nose. Do you guys think, Chris, do you think that Shannon Foreman and and DJ Davidson, players like that, are going to have a chance to get some, some reps and games at a defensive end or defensive tackle? Well, DJ Davidson can only play one position which is going to be behind Renell Wren because obviously Renell Wren is going to be starting. Right. I think Darius Slade does start. I think the other spot is kind of open, and there's a few different ways they can go with that. Um, let's also remember that you're going to get a couple players in the fall, like Jermaine Lole 
to me is pretty impressive and maybe he has a chance to actually push to start um and and um you know let's also not totally count out Doug Subtel uh, is do I think that Jalen Bates is a lot further than Doug Subtel if you just put them out there in a game situation I would say no um and then Jordan Hoyt is somebody that's got enough versatility maybe they lean him out in the spring maybe he's able to move out you know and but what the, you know, the question is, what do you do with George Lee? What do you do with the fact that you are now have more tackles for, for a defense that requires tends to you know play to more ends? That's something that um, you know we're going to be really studying and talking about a lot more on the premium too. In the second team defense on Friday night, it was Jordan Hoyt at defensive end, DJ Davidson at nose tackle, Doug Sutil at defensive end, Parker Higgins at linebacker, Kyle Soelli at linebacker, Nick Ralston. At the Mike linebacker position, Tyler Wiley at the Tillman, Dominique Harrison at the Ranger safety, Caleb McShannock. Is that how I say that, Chris? Caleb yes. McShannock at the Ranger safety, Cordell Caldwell at corner, and Taryn Adams at corner. Who do you guys think in this group specifically has been impressing you so far? I just want to say before you guys all go, the person that's been impressing me so far is Nick Ralston. I told Chris at practice today. Um, it seems like he's just swarming. It seems like he's all over the ball, and it looks like he's been – doing well in his transition to linebacker. Yeah, um, as Chris mentioned, DJ Davidson is someone definitely to watch, but um, a guy who's actually stood out to me is the walk-on, um, Cordell Caldwell. Um, he's actually looked pretty stout. Um, it's pretty pretty obvious to tell who he is. He's a guy with no gloves or no gear on, but he's you know somehow able to hang with you know all these these big receivers. He hasn't looked you know completely lost in comparison to everybody else. So that's impressive to me. Tyler Wiley is a guy too whose name has kind of been brought up as in contention for a starting spot over the last two years. People are wondering whether this could be his year to break through. So that's another name to watch. I mean, right now he's still with the second team, but he definitely he definitely has the experience part going. Important to point out a couple things here. A, Daz Tautalatasi is not practicing. He probably would be at the number one Tillman spot um, or at least getting some reps there. Tamonte King also hasn't been going. Um and he's, you know, figures to be probably a good option as a ranger. They've they're playing more walk-ons than they normally would because they've had some guys that have been banged up and out of practices. You know, Joey Bryant is kind of recovering from an ACL. He still isn't participating. So I I think like I just think that they're what their defensive backfield is going to look like in terms of their two deep is probably going to change a decent amount still, especially when you're going to bring in Ashari Crosswell. Uh, and you have your you have these two junior college defensive backs that are literally just in their fourth practice uh, between the two of them. Um, the guy that to me has really impressed and stood out two guys, uh, Jalen Harvey, for somebody who's just learning the defense like everybody else, but hasn't practiced a lot on defense, especially not at at safety. Uh, there's an edge about him. There's a physicality, and there's just a presence that I think that you notice on the practice field that's going to uh, work its way into somebody who's a playmaker. And then today, in particular, I thought Evan Fields was actually really good. He, you know, they moved this position that he, you know, was playing to a different place on the field. And, um, we're going to be writing about that a lot, quite a bit coming up. But um, you have to make a lot of these reads of where the where the where run plays are, are, are going. And uh, he did a really good job of it today and was physical 
obviously he's somebody that has speed and can cover and has range. If it all kind of clicks together for him, he's a guy that could actually become a star player. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like the two players I probably would keep the eye on the most for me personally is two of the guys that uh, Chris mentioned uh, in Dom Harris and Taron Adams. Just You're going to need a lot of depth in the defensive backfield, especially if you're shifting to that 3-3-5. And these are two guys, Juco guys, who should be able to come in and, and produce right away, you'd hope, in the fall. And just four practices in, uh, you want to see how their development goes during the spring because you've seen it with junior college guys coming in the spring. They'll either use it as a launching pad to really have a great first year and be an immediate impact guy, or sometimes they're, they turn, wind up being Juco guys that need a year to get adjusted to the Division One level. And you need to see how Dom Harris and Taron Adams are going to grade out in that scale because it will severely impact how the 2 deep looks in the fall. And while ASU's secondary did seem like it was a little bit better this past season than, than two years ago, it still uh, it still gave up 458.8 pass yards per game. So it was one of the worst in the nation once again. They're going to look to improve on that. What are you guys' observations, though, just of what we've seen in practices so far, final, final observations of the practices we've seen? Um, there's definitely a different vibe. It's much more professional. Um, I think that's something that we've mentioned, you know, early on in the initial practice podcast. But um, there's definitely a different approach. And as Herm Edwards has pointed out, um, there's a lot of guys who are trying to prove things. And there's a bit of eagerness and enjoyment. Guys are able to be more themselves. And I think it's expressed itself and exhibited itself and manifested on the field so far. Along the lines of what Kalen said, it definitely seems to be more organized, you know, Herm's going about his business, you know, pulling some defensive backs off to the side, talking to them, a lot of a lot of positional drills especially, and it definitely just seems like everyone really knows what they're doing. Herm Edwards said that uh, he basically is keeping the same practice schedule in terms of the periods and what they're doing as when he was in the NFL. Uh, this has more of an NFL feel to practice, but one in which there's still a very clear – understanding of what everybody's supposed to be doing and when, and it works seamlessly pretty well for something that's being newly implemented at ASU. And it, it's much lower key. Uh, I reflect upon the, the how much of a difference that Todd Graham was from his predecessor, and this is also a big change um, just just in how kind of more relaxed that it is, more uh, – you don't, you don't hear coaches cursing and yelling, like, at all, which, you know, like – over the years, it's like every staff that I've covered at ASU has had one or two or more coaches that were the screamers and yellers, and, and you know, there's just an absence of that uh, on this field. I think there's more of a um, there's more of a approach in which player accountability and and peer accountability is requested and required within this system and what they're doing is with the perfect tens where they have to run every time there's a loaf from the following practice they're trying to promote that Uh, i don't know how well that's going to work in the long run because younger players tend to slack more just in general they're not as mature and able to handle more responsibility but they're coming from a, a a a system that was so disciplined 
that it may take a while for that to sort of happen. So that's what I'm curious to see how that kind of manifests. But I, I would say Herb Edwards is very clear that he's structured, organized, has an idea of what he wants practices to be like. And so any concerns that people had about whether or not he was going to be able to promote uh, all of that, I think that's not that shouldn't be a concern. And then moving over from football now over to men's basketball, where the Sun Devils obviously lost to Syracuse. Last Wednesday ended their season in the first four out of the tournament. Um, this, Chris wrote an article, The Sun Devils figure to be more talented on the court next season. You guys can check out that article on sundevilsource.com. Basically, the article talks about the the pieces of, uh, of the team that ASU loses this next year. Trey Holder, Shannon Evans, Cody Justice, Austin Witherell, uh, the, the guards that kind of allowed ASU to be become known as Guard U, and they do have the additions of four-star recruits. Elias Valatonin, Lujan Stort, and Tayshawn Cherry. What do you guys think that the, the ceiling is for a team like Arizona State next year when you have the talent coming in that we think that they have? I think they're more talented, and I think their ceiling's higher. Their floor is also lower just because obviously you have a lot of freshmen, a lot of the young talent. Automatically there's going to be more fluctuation in how you are. Uh, do I think they're going to be 12-0 and undefeated in conference play? And non-conference play like they did this year, no. I think I think last year was a flash in the pan when it comes to non-conference. But I think talent-wise, this is definitely a much more talented team. Uh, I think that it has potential obviously to be a much deeper team. And it's going to be a team that if you're expecting them to play the same style that they did this past year, I don't think that's a smart prediction. I think just because it's just different players, I, you'd expect them to shift to be able to be more adaptable to what teams are trying to do and less uh, predictable in what they do uh, than they were this season because this season I think is all about three guards is about spacing about shooting threes I think obviously this team this next year's team is going to have some of that but it's just built differently and some of the guys that you didn't mention that were the guys who are eligible this year and Rob Edwards and Zylan Cheatham are going to be guys are going to be major game changers and are going to influence heavily what Arizona State does I think the biggest thing is going to be depth, too, because uh, this year they, they found themselves thin sometimes off the bench, but now they're going to be able to, to play 10, maybe 11 guys that can produce on a, on, a da- or on a daily basis for a game, and that's really going to help them with substitutions and all that and, and mixing guys in and, and trying different lineups. And They might have just shed that guard EU moniker, too, a little bit because they're, they're going to be more front court heavy, especially with you know Romello White, Daquan Lake, of course, and then Zylan Cheatham. And it's going to be a lot of a lot of big men and a very different team, like Fabian was saying from last year. Yeah. So Jacob, you actually nailed it in the head. Like in, in terms of just identity, um, actually both you guys are like ASU is not going to look the same just because of the, the depth as you mentioned in the front court. I think it's really going to come down to how well Kamani Lawrence plays. I really, you know, we heard a lot about the co- from the coaching staff. We heard a lot about how great he had played up until suffering that injury during the preseason. Um, I think that he started the fl- or he flashed a little bit, like what it, his potential was. But I think in more of a half court set offense, uh, less paced offense, more where I guess you're relying on on screens and movement within a half court set instead of trying to get out and transition and chuck up threes. I think that placates to his uh, person or not personnel, but his playing ability as well. You know, college basketball now or in recent years, decades probably, the teams changed very significantly from year to year. And obviously when ASU loses 
Shannon Evans, Trey Holder, Cody Jess is going to be a very different team next year. Um, the important things here are to just reiterate that ASU had four four-star players on its roster last year. Holder, Remy Martin, who's going to be a fan favorite, already is a fan favorite, Kamani Lawrence, and Romello White. Those were their four four stars. Now, three of them, as you guys know, were freshmen or retro freshmen. Uh, and then Trey Holder's leaving. Next year, ASU is going to have, in addition to the returning four stars of Martin, Lawrence, White, uh, Zylan Cheatham was a four star San Diego State transfer. Uh, and uh, additionally, all three of their current 2018 uh, commits or signees, Luke Gensdort, Elias Faltonen, Tayshawn Cherry are four-star recruits. So you're going from four to seven four-star recruits. And they still have two more. They still have two more scholarships they can give out. Correct. Um, so what you're going to be is you're going to be the three guys you're losing are all you know, undersized you know, or not big guards. You're going to be bigger. You're going to be longer. You're going to be more athletic. Rob Edwards is a 6'4", 200 pounds. Uh, he can dunk between his legs. He looks can, like he looks like an NBA point guard. And can, an he, NBA he's guard. a yeah, he's a shooting guard. But yeah, um, we, there's video that's kind of gone up of him putting it between his legs and dunking. Zylan Cheatham is a freak of nature. He Six is. eight, seven foot wingspan. If you look at the 2019 NBA mocks, so nobody's taken, nobody's forecast to go, but from ASU in the 2018 drafts that we've seen. Maybe Holder makes a push late and ends up a second-round pick. It's not inconceivable. He's like some guy, some guys in the NBA, right, as a guard. But um, the NBA Draft.net um, has Rob Edwards as his 50th pick currently in that draft. Zylan Cheatham is 57th. In Rob 2019 Edwards, in next year's in next year's draft. That's what I said. 2019, and and so. Rob Edwards has additional additional years of eligibility beyond that. So, I mean, we're talking about, you know, he could be around for a couple of years, right? As a sophomore at Cleveland State where he was previously, I think he averaged 16.5 points per game. So um, there's going to be – what we're talking about is a team that's going to be different in the way that it plays, in the way that it wins. It's going to have more options in terms of you know how it approaches and then there's going to be some question marks like what happens when you have maybe a little bit less three-point shooting you know are you able to win in other ways and and what you know challenges come along with that i think those are the things that remain to be seen plus who else that they add maybe another guard maybe another post player maybe somebody who's sitting has to sit out a year um but as i think we talked about in in the premium podcast talent ultimately is the most important thing. You look at the top teams in the league this year, Arizona, USC, UCLA, they have the most four-star or better prospects. ASU's moving in that direction. So ASU moving in a positive direction on, on the basketball front. We'll have more coverage of the ASU men's basketball team as, as, uh, as things progress. And ASU football we will do each day that they practice. We will have content coming out on SunDevilSource.com for if you guys want to check out that article Chris wrote about about the basketball team being more talented next season. You can check that out on SunDevilSource.com alongside Sun Devil Source reporters Kalen Jones, Jacob Janauer, Fabian Ardaya, and site publisher Chris Cartman. I'm your host Rob Warner. Saying so long and thank you for tuning in.